This is the SETN Podcast with Chris Goforth and Chandler Morrison, covering high school football in Chattanooga and the Southeast Tennessee area. The SETN Podcast. Welcome in this week. It is SETN Preps. I'm Chris Goforth. He is Chandler Morrison. You can find us uh, on Facebook. Just do the search for SETN Preps. You can find us on Twitter. You can find uh, this podcast at SETN Preps. You can find me at Chris Goforth1. Chandler is at Sports Chandler. And uh, while you're at it, make sure you head over to wherever you download your podcast from because you can find us on iTunes or on Spotify, we are wherever you download your your uh, your podcast. You can find us. Make sure you rate, subscribe, and review while you're there. We would certainly appreciate it. So, Chandler, with all that being said, now let's hop into it. Uh, we've got some football to talk about from last week. We get a little review time from some of the games that were played on uh, on Friday night. So, let's start with McMinn County. And Udawa, the Cherokees, with a win over Udawa last week in a uh, in a game that um, you know McMinn County is one of those programs that every year they just always seem to have. First off, they're one of the bigger teams it seems like in our area every single year, and uh, and every year, regardless of of who the coach is or or what happens, they always seem to be uh, to be pretty good. And, they did a number on uh, on Udawa this last week, uh, holding Udawa to just just over 200 yards of, of total offense. But I think more than anything else, what they were able to do, Chandler, is they kind of uh, sort of negated some of that big play the, on offense that Udawa has been known for. They they really forced Udawa to to put together some drives and and move the ball. They also forced three Udawa turnovers on Friday night, which I think is key. Yeah, Chris, and, you know, this is a main county squad. We talked about this last year. At the end of last year, Chris, they were trying to move down to 5A just because it's hard to be competitive in that 6A region. It doesn't matter who you're going up against. And Mid county, they just, you know, they didn't get to the playoffs last year. They were struggling because of how big that region is and how good that region is. And now you turn around, Chris, and they just beat Udawa, who was one of the big contenders last year. And I think Udawa is down this year. I think they, they're missing some pieces. and. I think they're kind of trying to readjust their their roster and readjust what they've got. They're young, uh, but Jalen Hunt. You talked about them holding into 200 yards of offense. Jalen Hunt just about had that on his own with 150 yards rushing on 24 carries, Chris. And uh, this is a main county squad. They're going to run the ball on you. They had 243 yards rushing. They threw just three passes in the fourth quarter. Like you think fourth quarter, that's where you need to throw the passes. That's where you need to have the big plays. No, the Mid County is saying, listen, we, we just need three passes, and that's just to get by, and we're going to beat you on the ground. And that's what they did Friday night against Uwa. I, I think this, this shows that the Mid County can be a playoff team, and I think this is the game, Chris, that, is, that when, as the season goes on, that Mid County may have maybe be able to beat some of those lower echelon teams and get into the playoffs because of the momentum off this game, Chris. And we'll see. They only threw it eight times the entire game, so it's not like they yeah. put it up in the air an awful lot. Um, and I agree with you. I definitely think McMinn County's a playoff team. It's just a matter of where they end up finishing in the rest of those uh, uh, in the rest of those games. Udawa has another big game this week. They get Bradley Central at home in mm-hmm. another uh, in another region matchup. So I think that one will be one to to watch because if you're Udawa. 
you know, you got to be able to get in and win a couple of those um, if if you're going to uh, if you're going to get into the postseason. So uh, that's another game that I'm sure we'll be talking about a little bit later on. It's also our Friday night rivals game on the CW Chattanooga this week. So if you're looking for some Friday night football, if you're not going out and going to a game, you can check that one out uh, on the CW. Red Bank, a 21-14 win over East Hamilton on uh, Friday night. And, again, Chandler, I know I've talked about it a lot um, last week, but Clark Lockerbie and that uh, Red Bank defense, they come up big one more time. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a great job. East Hamilton had been slinging the ball around a lot um, and had been, you know, I think offensively kind of felt like East Hamilton had been really clicking but Red Bank was able to force four turnovers in this game and uh, really able to to just really kind of stymie East Hamilton the whole way. I mean, East Hamilton scored um, 14 points in this game, but Red Bank led 21 uh, nothing. Mm-hmm. I think it was 21-7 at the half and then a scoreless third quarter, and East Hamilton was able to tack on a score about midway through the fourth to pull to within a score. But again, that Red Bank defense, man, when they have to, they just bow their backs and and um, they don't let anybody buy. Yeah, Chris, I'm going to tell you something. It's going to surprise you. East Hamilton led in every offensive category you can imagine. The only difference in this game was on offense they had two fumbles and they had the and Red Bank had the takeaways. Of course, they were two for two on on fumbles. They lost and they did not recover those fumbles. And that made the difference in the game, Chris. And it, it just goes to show you that turnovers can, can negate so much, especially at the high school level. East Hamilton, all the offensive categories, they, they led. Red Bank, every offensive category. They also had 14. They also, they also had 14 penalties for 100 yards of penalties. So yeah, that is, that is something that is going to, to frustrate, uh, you know, frustrate an offense when you, or in some cases maybe assist the opposing team's offenses, depending mm-hmm. on how those inju- uh, those uh, penalties come. You're able to, you know, either mm-hmm. keep your opponents on the field a little while longer and extend their drive, or you know, you put yourself constantly behind the eight ball because of the uh, because of the penalties. Yeah, Chris. Uh, overall, 15 penalties for 120 yards in this game. So I mean, it wasn't like it was just. East Hamilton, but there were a lot of penalties in this game, and I think uh, as you look down the barrel of this thing, Chris, it just came down to, you know, Red Bank made fewer mistakes than East Hamilton. Yeah, I mean, the penalties, turnovers, I think that's, you know, because Mm -hmm. we talk about Red Bank's defense, I think East Hamilton's defense, they did a pretty good job. um, I think Red Bank averaged like less than three yards of rush attempt in this game. They were able to, now Maddox Wilkie had a pretty good day, but he was 10 of 20 uh, for 184 yards and an interception, but he had a couple of touchdown passes as well. So two mm-hmm. good football teams. That would have been a good game to watch on uh, on Friday night. Yeah, it would have, Chris. Another good game to watch wasn't played on Friday night. It was played on Saturday because of the, uh, the water situation. Did you hear about that, Chandler? Downtown Chattanooga, UTC, had no yep. water. Uh, because yeah, I wasn't, of a, I wasn't even in, in class to enjoy getting out of class, Chris. Like, what is? It? Yeah, yeah, that, that didn't. You're not lucky enough to get out of class because they didn't have water. But, uh, but because of that, they had to move the Howard Tyner game 
uh, to Saturday. Um, they played it late Saturday afternoon, early part of the evening. I think they kicked it off at like 5 o'clock on Saturday. And Howard, for the first time ever, recorded a win over Tyner, 27-19. I told you, Chandler, back at the Jamboree that I thought Tyner, I thought Howard was one of the better-looking teams. And I thought they were well-coached. They looked good. They were disciplined. All those things you want to see out of a football team early, and that is exactly what Howard has shown themselves to be. I, let me tell you, I think, you know, we've talked about what a great story East Hamilton is. We've talked about what a great story um, uh, Boyd Buchanan is for the start they've gotten off to. Man, how about what a great story that Howard is, number one, getting this mm-hmm. win, opening up a brand-new gorgeous football stadium they've got over there, I think by the end of the year, Howard is going to be the team that we're talking about as the biggest surprise. I really, really think this Howard team is really, really mm-hmm. good, Chandler. I mean, I, I think they're, I think they're, you know, maybe third round of the playoffs good. Yeah, Chris, I've always been high on, on a team like Howard. I've seen them play over the years, Chris. And one thing you mentioned, and I think it makes the difference in how good a team you can have when you, especially with with the programs of Tyner and Howard, we always have a lot of talent coming in through there, Chris, is the discipline. And as far as on the field, like not not jumping when something's going on, like running your routes, doing everything like that. And, Chris, I think when you get one of those, either one of these teams, and they're really disciplined, especially Howard, as much talent as goes through there, I think what you see is they start to, you know, look like a, a, a football team that can compete with where they've not maybe been able to in the past few years, Chris. And, and, and being disciplined makes a huge difference in this game. By the way, it's not like they didn't have to fight off. It's not like they didn't get the best at Tyner. I want those to out there. Three touchdown plays for Tyner, all over 48 yards. You did the 48-yard, uh, I think it was a run, a 60-yard pass, and then the 89-yard interception. So all those coming on explosive plays, Chris, for the touchdown. And Howard had to stymie that off all night long uh, when they played Tyner on Saturday. Well, I tell you, it is going to cause a little shakeup in my small school top five when we get uh, when we get to that coming up in a little bit. How about Bledsoe County in a in a win over Grundy County on um, on Friday night? Bledsoe County able to um, man the the train just keeps rolling down, down the tracks for them. Doesn't sound like it was an, exactly a pretty game for Bledsoe County, but a win is a win is a win, and that's something that Grundy County. Hadn't been able to do in what feels like now a really long time. Yeah, and, and Chris, when you talk about those Region 4-3-A teams out there, they hate coming to Grundy County. Not because it's a bad place or anything. It's just sometimes, even though it's, it's the teams you least expect like that, they always, like I, I give this example, DeKalb County came into to Grundy County several times over the past three or four years and have been given a game to a team that may go 1-9, 0-10, or like that, Chris. And it's like some Grundy County just has this kind of magic that comes out of the mountain. Sometimes they win, sometimes they lose. But it's the altitude. Games, but it must, it must be the, it's the altitude. altitude. It's like playing in Denver. It's the altitude. <laughs> well, I wish they they might need a Peyton Manning out there right now, Chris. Um, <laughs> but we won't go there. <laughs> um, but it's only the second time, by the way, that Bledsoe County has been three and one since 2011. Um, and that was the year they went to the playoffs and ended up playing Alcoa in the semifinals, Chris, or quarterfinals, I think. Um, 
this is a bunch of kind of squad that they've not had some good years. Now they've got three or more, and they're, they're going to be going into that region now. It's deeper in that region. They've got the rivalry game with the Quasi County. Um, so, you know, after the bye week later, Chris, I think this is a good team. I think this is a team that can go potentially 8-2, and two, Chris, maybe even 9-1 and one with Tyler Ben. And I, don't, I don't know, Chris, but when you look at their schedule and look at how good they've been so far, uh, I think that's what we've been looking at. Uh, but this game right here, it was aside in the fourth quarter, Chris, Grundy County, it was 14-6. Grundy County came in to score. They missed the field goal. And they, or I think they went for the two-point conversion, Chris, and they missed it, and they kept it from being tied there in the fourth quarter. Bledsoe County holding them off, doing what they do, Chris. But Bledsoe County, they just keep sneaking up on how, how good they're, they're getting as opposed to what they were, uh, you know, maybe a year or two ago, Chris. Yeah, no, I think that uh, I think Bledsoe County has the makings of something. This I don't know that we see it come to full fruition this year, but I think yeah. there is. This is the beginning. This is the genesis of of what could turn into something pretty special at uh, Bledsoe County before it's all said and done. One final game we want to look back on from last week. That's McMinn Central with a 48-25 win over Polk County. So we had Derek Davis on uh, back in the summer, and we asked him about this game. And, you know, he said that he knew going back to the stadium that bears his dad's name and a place where he walked the sidelines as the head coach for 19 years, he said he fully knew and expected that he would have some jitters. Um, there would be some butterflies, maybe a little sick at his stomach mm-hmm. in having to play this game. Um, but, Chandler, they come out. I think this is one of those games that really kind of sends the message. We knew that, you know, McMinn Central under Derek Davis was going to be good eventually. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this is one of those games to where the idea of McMinn Central losing to not so great teams anymore. I think that's over with with Derek Davis. I, I think they're going to look. They may not go ten and zero this year or next year, but I don't think you're going to lose. You're going to see them have a lot of bad losses, and I think losing to Polk County would have been a bad loss. Yeah, I think you're right, Chris. And I think this just shows that this that this, this football program is on a different trajectory than, than maybe it was prior and. I think we kind of got the sense that that would happen, Chris, um, when we talk, or that this kind of, you know, starting to build up what happened when we talked to Derry Davis earlier in the summer. And, um, you know, uh, I, I, you know, and we, we kind of joked around that we're going to have to rename the bathroom after him or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, I think this program is on the right trajectory. And, um, I, I think that's a good, solid win, especially when you go and play your old team. It's always good to get that win and get that out from under. Yeah, no, I think so. And I think this is one of those where, um, you know, he's, he, this is probably one of those games where he is very glad to have it behind him at this mm-hmm. point. You know, we don't have to deal with that anymore. We don't have to deal with the distraction of it. And, you know, we can mm-hmm. kind of move on now. So, And it's mm-hmm. funny because I was thinking back, uh, earlier about that interview with he we did with him back in the summer, and I remember thinking, you know, uh, talking to him about that game, and holy cow, it's going to be, you know, week four of the high school football season and how week four just seemed like it was going to be eons away, 
Mm-hmm. And now week four is coming gone, man. We're going into week five. I mean, the season after Friday night, Chandler, the season's half over. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think it's just zooming on by uh, this season. I mean, it always zooms on by, Chris. But it just feels like it's going so fast this year because we've had such great games and such great Friday nights overall that it just keeps zooming on by. You got any news and notes this week? Uh, yes, I got two quick hits for you. So the first thing is, um, of course, Whitwell this week, they become 0-4 for after winning the state championship in 2018. Um, so I went back and looked a while back when they were uh, about a week ago when they were 0-3 to see where that sat in history and how many teams had done that. It's actually been a couple of teams, but believe it or not, there are two teams that won a 2018 championship that are currently 0-4, one of them being Whitwell. The other being CPA, uh, I believe that's up in Nashville, Chris. Um, they are both 0-4 after winning the state championship in 2018. And the last time a team was 0-4 the season after winning a state championship was Watt Station back in 2009. That was in Class 6A. Um, I want to say I want to say that that happened to South Pittsburgh too. You know, the year after South Pittsburgh won the state championship in '99. And then in mm-hmm. 2000, they finished the year at two and seven, and those two wins mm-hmm. they had to forfeit. So on mm-hmm. technically, it was an zero and nine season, but it was two and seven on the field. So I still mm-hmm. counted two and seven. Yeah, and, and Chris, the longest streak I've ever seen is uh, that I've seen going back was zero and six, um, and that was in 2003. Uh, I only went back to 2000. I was trying to go back a little bit farther. The records, you know, once you get past 2000 are a little bit shaky. Um, but one of the things I saw there was 0-4. The last time that happened was in 2009 um, to a Y station in Class 6A. Uh, but the longest was 0-6. Um, but this is the first time ever we've had two teams go 0-4 in a season. And I'm even going back to like the to, to 69 where I can find through there. I just haven't failed to come through deeply. This is the first time I've ever seen two teams go 0 and 4, and 0 and 3 actually now 0 and 4 after winning a state championship the previous the previous year, Chris. Well, that shows you in both of those. I mean, uh, who was the other one? Did you say CPA? Yeah, and that's the Division Two school. I think that's uh, Division. I think that was Notre Dame's division, so, two, so yep. Division Two Double A. Yeah, they are, but you know what? Just like Whitwell, they have small. They have a small enrollment, and I mm-hmm. think that just goes to show you how important it is at when you're at a small school and you have that big senior class and you can ride those guys to a state championship. It just goes to show you the next year it's uh, it's not always going to be a gimme because I, I'm a little surprised that. You know, when I heard people say, oh, Whitwell, they're going to back, you know, they'll be back to being old Whitwell again. And I didn't really buy that back in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, because I think I, their offensive and defensive lines, I thought they would be adequate, um, if not really mm-hmm. good. And I thought they would get some adequate play out of their skill people. And right now, I don't know that they're getting, I don't know that they're getting anything from anybody right now. Yeah, Chris. I mean, I was convinced. Like when I started the summer, I was like, "Well, we'll we'll go back to what they were." And then I'm thinking, "Well," and then I start hearing about this line, and I start seeing what they've got, Chris. And I'm like, "Well, maybe not. Maybe they'll have a pretty good season. It won't be maybe a 15 and 0 season, Chris." But I, I figured they'd have a pretty good season, and and now they're sitting at 0 and 4. I think that's been 
is it a complete surprise to you, Chris, that they're sitting at 0-4 at this point? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's a surprise that they're 0-4. I thought they would probably go 7-3, and 8-2 uh, and two this year. I thought 8-2 and two was probably the, you know, probably the around? ceiling for them. Yeah. Uh, because I, I do think they play a tough schedule um, mm-hmm. with with some of their, uh, not just South Pittsburgh, but, you know, there's Signal Mountain on there, and they're going to play some, mm-hmm. some schools from bigger classifications, the Bledsoe Counties of the World, et cetera. So I kind of thought maybe they would be looking 7-3, and 8-2. and two. Um, So, yeah, for them, and not only the fact they're 0-4, but just how bad they've looked going 0 4 in the process is is the mm-hmm. other part of it. Yeah, Chris. I mean, that to me, that was the biggest part of it. It seemed like it's not been necessarily close games. And, and Chris, this Copper Basin game coming up, Copper Basin comes here in 3 and 1. It's not looking like too much of a cupcake as we might have thought. No. During the, I mean, so I'm not saying they're going to go 0 5, Chris, but. It's not necessarily a gimme that that's going to be a win this year. No, I I agree with you totally. And again, I go back to the Jamboree. I think I think Copper Basin was another team that, you know, I might have mm-hmm. been right about that. I said at the mm-hmm. Jamboree that, you know, and I know they didn't, you know, they didn't win their quarters in, in the Jamboree necessarily, but kind of come away from it going, man, they've got something here. They've got a little bit of talent. Mm-hmm. And Coach Grabowski's son is pretty good, and um, you know. Uh, I think they've shown that, and they're definitely going to be a team that is a factor in that region race going forward. So that game Friday night for Whitwell, that's huge. I mean, it is a, you know, you don't want to call anything a, a must win maybe at this point in time in the season, but I think yeah. that's a must win. You, you you need something good to happen, and you need to win a game, mm-hmm. and that's a must win for those kids. I think it's a must win if you want a home playoff game, Chris, because right now in the standings, Copper Basin is right below South Pittsburgh. And, you know, if Willow doesn't get that, you know, Copper Basin, if they can beat Willow, they can beat Look Out Valley, they can beat Stuff Creek. And next thing you know, Willow's having to travel in the first round, which they've not had to do in a while, Chris. Yeah, and that's you don't want to do that. You don't want no. to do that. You want to get that home playoff game. So, again, that's what makes this one so important. Is you know you got you you, you got to find a way to win it. You got to find a way to control the the coach Grabowski's son, the quarterback. So, but that's later on. We we'll get to some preview and some games coming up later on in the week. All right, Chandler, let's take a look at our uh, let's get to our top five of the week. We'll go small school, large school. Our top five small schools: one A, two A, three A. Large schools is 4A, 5A, 6A, and then all of the Division II programs we lump into that large school classification. Chandler, I'm going to start. I'm going to go small school and kind of lead us off here. Uh, At number five, I've got Bledsoe County. I think they're off to a good enough start. They deserve to be in this conversation now. So I'm going to I'm going to put them in there. At number 4, I've got Tyner. Had Tyner number 1. That loss to Howard kind of bumps them down a couple of spots. I got Meigs County in at number 3. I've got Red Bank number 2 and at number 1, I've got South Pittsburgh. As I have said all year, I think they're on a mission and I think that what they did to Marion County Friday night was an absolute dismantling. Um, I think they uh-huh. had negative yards of total offense until their final drive. 
Um, and South Pittsburgh is just really, really good on both sides of the ball. They're ranked number one in the state, and that is for a reason. What about you? Mm-hmm. What's your small school lineup look like? Well, I, I have uh, number one. I've got Red Bank. Um, I still think they're one of the better one of the better small school teams. Uh, I think they are the best of the small schools right now. And I, I just kind of look at this kind of Chris like head to head, who would win this ball game? And I think well, right now you put everybody else in the top five. I've got them at number one. Here's here's the great thing about that Chandler. South Pittsburgh plays both Red Bank and Meigs County. Now that's mm-hmm. my one, two, and three. And South Pittsburgh yeah. faces both of those other two teams. So mm-hmm. we'll get an answer. We'll get an answer on this one as we go through the season. But right now I'm on a I'm I'm on a roll with the Pirates. Yeah, and Chris, I, I've got number two. I got Miss Kane. Number three, I've got South Pittsburgh. Honestly, Chris, these three right now are pretty much inseparable for me. And, it, it, you know, last week, Tyner was in that group. Now they're not anymore. They're at that number four position, Chris. But to me, I think you could kind of – this is like 1A, 1D, 1C for me. But because I had to put them in order, I just kind of put them in, okay, this is a 3A team, this is a 2A team, this is a 1A team, and I think that it matches up where Red Bank could be – Mexican County could be set this far. But you're right, Chris. We'll get some definite answers, and we'll get some – and that's what I like about the scheduling this year, Chris, is that we're going to get answers – that maybe last year we wouldn't have seen that South Pittsburgh Red Bank or South Pittsburgh Mexican Canada. They would just been, you know, teams on a on a list that never gets to play each other. So that's what I like about this season. And uh, at number four, Tyner, and then at number five, I've got Blessed King too right now. That's really the only one I think that stands out to me uh, in in the small schools as far as can they beat somebody. I think maybe this week we might get one or two more, Chris, that – kind of step into that spotlight and kind of challenge Blessfield County for that five spot. I think Signal Mountain could definitely do that. And I think Sequatchie County, if they can beat Blessfield County, might be able to step into that spot, Chris. But for right now, I've got Blessfield County. And by the way, this is like, there's there's a little bit of a gap between my one, two, three, and my four, and then between my four and a five, because obviously Tyner and Blessfield County have played each other. So. Let's go large school classifications now. Well, I've got Bradley at number five. Look forward to getting a chance to see them up close uh, this week on uh, on Friday Night Rivals on the CW when they take on Ottawa. By the way, you know I am president of the Trey Curry Fan Club. Um, I did get a chance. I did get a chance today to talk a little bit to Coach Damon Floyd at uh, at Bradley. And, uh, man, they're, they're finding ways to get the ball in Trey Curry's hands. They're using him some as a running back, uh, just to create new ways to, because he is such a good playmaker. They're trying to create ways to get the ball in, in his hands. So, um, I look forward to seeing that, uh, that team in person. Ray County is my number four team. Notre Dame in at number three. Number two is Baylor. And Macaulay just whipped up on some team from California that I've never heard of, but they beat them pretty impressively. So uh, I've still got Macaulay as my number one team. Well, I'm going to go backwards here, Chris, because most of my most of my top top my top three are still the same, Chris. I'm going to go backwards here at number five, and I know I'm kind of pushing somebody out of the mix. And right now, it's just kind of a momentary thing, I think maybe, but we'll see as we go on. Um, I've got Howard at number five. I think that win against Tyner was really, really impressive, especially when you look at Howard beating them and then Tyner blowing out one of their region foes in Chattanooga Central. It makes it that much more impressive. 
uh, and they they go up against Anderson County, who has been the number one team in that region for you know the past two years or so, Chris. So I think that's going to be interesting. We'll talk about that in our next podcast. But I've got Howard number five, and number four I've got Bradley Central. Number three I've got Notre Dame. Number two I've got Baylor, and number one I've got Macaulay. And Chris, if I had to put a number six in there, it would be Ray County. I just think right now, as we speak, and maybe I'm being a little emotional about this, Chris, but Howard right now just seems like they should be in that top five conversation. That's why I put them in number five. You know, I have been looking or was looking for a way to get Howard into this top five. I, I really wanted to, and so I, I'm not going to argue your uh, your selections with you at all because <laughs> – Again, I was I was right there trying to figure out how I could work mm-hmm. how I could work Howard into this myself. All right, Chandler. Well, I'm sure I'm sure that you have them. It's like if you had a six on that list. Ex- that would yes. Be yep. Yep. You're right, and probably for the exact same reason as you. Not that I didn't think they were good already, but when they were able to do what they did last week, uh, I mean, it's a it's a head turner when you uh, mm-hmm. when you win a game like that. All right, Chandler, anything else you want to throw out there as we wrap this one up? Another great week of high school football, Chris. Here we go. Week five is upon us. Get out there and enjoy it. That is going to do it for us. Chandler and I will be back with you later on in the week, and we'll preview some of the big games this week. We've got uh, – uh, East Hamilton and Chattanooga Central. You've got Anderson County at Howard. We'll find out about those hustling Tigers this week. Uh, Baylor and Ensworth, that's a good one. CCS and Boyd Buchanan. So we've got some good games to get to. We'll do all of that uh, on next time we get together here on SETN Preps. We'll see you then. 